You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan Podcast 189, Tim Robertson, David Cohen, HP Chromebook, NES controller, a wooden case for the iPhone 6 Plus, Sony hack. Man, we've got a lot of stuff to cover. Extra long episode. Check it out. And it is tech fan number 189 with Tim Robertson, David Cohen, and uh, of course, Owen is still in Hawaii, David. <laughs> Must be nice, right? <coughs> I'm sure it is. Mm. Yeah. Got a full show this week. Uh, I've got, you know, the things that I talked about last week we were going to speak of, the 8-bit duo, 8-bit do, I guess, Bluetooth wireless classic NES controller. Yep. And uh, the HP Chromebook. In fact, when it comes to the Chromebook, now we'll wait to that. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit. So what's been yeah, going on with you? Ah, well, I, I've recorded a, a, a separate segment that we can, we can probably play over the next couple of weeks on this because I'm still developing it. But I got an electric car. Really? Yeah, a Nissan Leaf, which is an all-electric car. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. I've got to, got to say stuff full of gadgets, as you might imagine. Um, but yeah, no engine, just charge it when you need to go somewhere. Well, I mean, it has an engine. It's an electric engine. Yeah. Well, it's an electric motor. It's kind yeah. of weird because it ha- doesn't have a gearbox. Yeah. So, it's all torque. Uh, yeah. So you, yeah. I mean, you put your, uh, you put your foot down when you're pulling away from lights and the thing kind of takes off because <laughs> you're getting all of that torque in one go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 very nice car. It's very nice to drive. I look forward to um, uh, hearing your. Is it a review or you just discuss it? Yeah, it's well, it's really a because the thing about a car, uh, that sort of car, is not so much the car itself. Because I think everyone accepts that with modern technology now, you can you can create an electric car that that is you know it, it's not like a like a milk car or something like that. You know, it's right. a car. Um, but the the trick with the electric car is is figuring out how to run it. Um, you know, yeah, how, usage. How to, yeah, usage. Where do you charge it? How often do you have to charge it? How far do you go? How do you plan your journeys? Because it doesn't have the range of a of a gas powered car. So I, I've been talking about that, and I'm fortunate that here in Manchester, in the UK, there's quite a well developed infrastructure here. Um, so I've, I, I basically I picked this car up um, just yesterday, but I had one for a test drive for the whole of last week, and um, it was after having it for the for the week that I decided I was going to buy one. Awesome. So. Um, I've 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 you know starting to get some experience now of, of of how you actually run these things and and so it's really you know it's about twenty twenty five minutes about the pros and cons and and you know how I'm finding it and and that sort of thing so uh, you know I thought it deserved a, a a sort of kind of specific information dump on on what it's like and everything and then once I've done that we can listen to it and then talk about it yeah let's do that definitely uh, yeah. not this week or not next week we've got two full shows I've got a, I've been getting a lot of products for uh, review. And like I said, I've got the two things this week. Next week, I've already got uh, products lined up. In fact, I've got three products this week. Uh, yeah. Next week will be uh, two of the new Kindles. I've got the uh, cool. the regular Kindle, and I've got the Kindle Fire HD uh, seven inch tablet. In fact, they just came literally an hour ago from UPS. 
Cool. So I've spent uh, the last yeah. hour setting them up. And they, you know, they sent me, I was expecting the black ones. And I did get the regular black Kindle. And they also sent me cases with them. And I actually kind of like the cases so far. But again, I just, I've had them less than an hour. Um, but they sent me this bright, or uh, bright yellow greenish uh, Kindle Fire. I would never have chosen this myself, but initial impressions is I, I kind of dig it, man. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even know they did them in different colors. I didn't either. I I wasn't paying attention. So so I'm I'm, I'm looking at the picture you sent me of this. Yeah, it, it's a bit like um didn't didn't Nokia used to do um Microsoft Windows phones in kind of this color. Yeah, they did colorish. that neon yeah. yellow yeah. greenish kind of yeah, and the case was- exactly matches. It's exactly the same color certainly a bit different um I, I must admit i have kind of a, a red smart cover on my ipad and i like the fact that i can always spot where the thing is <laughs> you, Do you, know? you know i i know that the ipad air 2s are now coming in gold i think the gold is just but ugly i don't yeah i don't get the gold color apple seems to be stuck on and a year and a half ago i was excited that apple was finally coming out with colors again with the iphone 5c it, it seems like they just kind of abandoned that. Why can't they come out with... I mean, I think this, this color thing is neat. And Apple yeah. was the pioneers of this with the I, with the iMac originally, remember? And, and also the iPods. I and mean, the iPods, they, absolutely. They, you know, the, the Nano for a few years came in, in different anodized colors. And the, uh, in fact, I think the, the current current version of the Touch, you can get in a couple of different colors. Yeah. Um, and certainly the Shuffles, you can. And I've always thought, I, I agree with you, I always thought a, a nice kind of anodized powder blue or a, a red or something like that is much smarter than the gold. I, I really... I've got to admit, I don't, I don't wear, um, apart from my wedding ring, I don't tend to wear gold jewelry, and I, I don't really like the color of gold as a, as a metal color. I, I prefer to have, you know, obviously these things are all about aesthetics, but I prefer to have a, you know, a nice anodized coating on a, on a piece of metal to make it look good. I agree, hundred percent. And one of the things that's in color is this HP Chromebook that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Um, I think that Apple is wrong here. I think that they're falling behind these other companies that are adding color. And it sounds like a simple thing. It's just color. I mean, it doesn't change anything about the device itself. You know what? It kind of does. It feels a little bit more personal when you could choose the color that best suits you instead of everything being either black, silver, or gold in Apple's case. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the metallic thing, I'm, I'm getting a little tired of, to be honest with you. I think it's kind of played out. I, I want something different. And I think, you know, a, and Apple is not opposed to using plastics. I mean, look at the Mac Pro. It's plastic. Yeah. You know, the old white MacBooks were plastic. And the ones that were really popular were the black ones. And, of course, Apple did away with the black ones and went with just white eventually. Yeah. Having having said that, the white MacBook, um, it never aged particularly well. The, the plastic wasn't very durable. Um, I mean, I'm sure you saw when you were at Mac Specialist, hundreds of them come through where that that sure. kind of grey plastic around the keyboard always split where the magnets touched on the from the MacBook on the top. Yep. I, I know I certainly changed two or three um, MacBook keyboards. Apple to was kind, replacing kind of those for free for a long time because it was yeah, a product they, defect. Yeah, but but you know, I mean, it, it came to a point where pretty much every time I got hold of a MacBook, the first thing I did was replace the keyboard. Yeah, and you could pick them up fairly cheaply then. And the um, palm rests really showed wear on those. They really exactly. did. Even the black ones did pretty good. It would get shiny there instead of that matte black. 
And I think the advantage that the uh, the metal stuff has now is that it doesn't wear like that. No, um, it does wear. It does scratch pretty easily. It scratches, especially if yeah, you wear a watch. If you wear a watch, it scratches. Yes, it does. But um, but it doesn't kind of. In some respects, I can kind of give them a pass. If you put metal on metal and it scratches, you kind of go, "Well, what are you going to do?" But it, it's it's always irritating to me when when um, something wears just from you using it. You know, just from your hands. Yeah, but no. the flip side of that is there are plastic coatings out there that won't wear like this that Apple could use. I just don't think they're interested in color. I really don't, which I think is a shame because, I, again, it's playful. It's fun. It's personalized. I, I think the color thing is going to make a big, strong comeback. And I think we're starting to see the very beginning of it right now with this uh, Amazon Kindle with this HP Chromebook that I'm using. Um, I, th- I think, you know, and people have been personalizing their phones forever now with cases. So in some respects, it's a non-starter. And like you said, you have a red cover on your iPad. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I just think that there's a time for, and the time is now for more color, more, oh. you know. Well, we'll have to wait till Johnny decides that color is in again. I mean, you, he did he did well, with design Apple, the original Bondi Blue iMac, so it's not something that he's a stranger to. Yeah, that's true. Um, so I just uh, think Apple's got it wrong, and I think these other companies got it right. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see how uh, every year brings us new devices from Apple. So we'll see. I mean, the the thing is with the watch, that is going to be about different Color. colors. Absolutely. Different it's all the bands. And everything like that. So I normally what happens is that when Apple has products that kind of take off then those designs start to influence the design language and the rest of their products so if the watch is uh, successful then i it wouldn't surprise me we see more stuff like that succinctly put (laughs) so let's talk about um some of these things for that i've got for review uh in a few minutes we have uh, a little bit of feedback that i don't think we ever got to from sam negri did we we never. Uh, I don't, don't think we did, know. Right. And it's a couple weeks old now, and I apologize, Sam. I know you're out there listening. Uh, he wrote in two emails uh, when it came to OneNote and Evernote. Uh, oh, that's right. He did. I remember these now. Mm-hmm. I've got them right, up here. It, if you don't have them up. Had, I'm, yeah, I'm, I don't have them up. So okay. uh, you, you start. So the first one he uh, wrote in, he said, What interested me most about your podcast with David were the Evernote comments. Uh, I can sure understand your frustration. Now, let's stop there for a second. My frustration was I'm offline on my phone. I launch Evernote, and I'm in airplane mode because I'm literally on an airplane. And Evernote will not let me look at my notes. And it pissed me off to no end because I feel that this stance of, oh, if you want to look at your stuff offline, then you have to pay the premium price. I don't like anybody holding my data hostage especially yeah. when this wasn't the case for a lot for many years yeah and for them to to implement this kind of a policy change and and to put a gun to my head and saying hey you want your notes when you're not connected to the internet you you got to pay the toll i don't like that at all i think that's I, uh, a shitty way of doing business you tweeted that out to um to the CEO of Evernote. Did you get a response? Sorry, my phone's ringing. I did not get a response. Right. Which doesn't surprise me. Let me silence my phone. Okay. Someone from Vegas is calling me, which means it's probably a sales call about CES. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, so what did Sam have to say? So Sam writes, um, 
Uh, I can sure understand your frustration. I would have gone bonkers if they'd put up a wall between me and my own stuff. But I was also happy to hear David talk about Microsoft OneNote. I just downloaded it and have a feeling it will make a very nice substitute for Evernote. I never heard of it before, so my thanks to you both. Um, blah, blah, blah. The rest is uh, not for public consumption. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm completely with some of this. I kind of live in Evernote now, in uh, OneNote now. I'm, I do an awful lot in there. It's so well integrated with the rest of the Office applications. In terms of actually putting stuff into a note, um, when you're actually making notes, it has so many different options for doing that, and it's it is the nicest interface on of pretty much any note-taking platform I've ever used, and that includes a few for the iPad as well. Um, in terms of the flexibility, it basically treats the note space as a as a canvas. You can put text where you want, you can put images and uh, documents and and whatever you you want into it, and um, it really works pretty well. Um, and obviously, you then get the syncing through OneDrive and what have you, and it's on every platform. It is pretty good and free. By the way, that was a sales call. I just listened to the message. <laughs> it's exactly what I thought because I'm listed as the main contact right now for OWC for registering to, to have a booth at CES. We're going to have a fairly large booth there this year. Yeah. And I'll be there for two days, the beginning of the show, but I won't be there the whole week. At least that's the plan so far. Things can change. Um, so, Sam, thanks for that email. He followed it up, David. A couple days later. Ready? Yep. I've been playing with Microsoft OneNote for a few days on my Mac Pro and didn't find it as functional as Evernote. Ah. It felt like it was only grudgingly rejiggering for Macs. One of the things I like to do and that you cannot do in OneNote is drag an item down to the dock and drop it on the Evernote icon. As you know, that's the fast and easy way of creating new note. No way to do that in OneNote. I had other qualms, but the bottom line is that I didn't like it half as much as I like Evernote. Maybe it's because people who design Evernote seem to think the way I do. Everything seems logical and intuitive. I use the Web Clipper all the time and also found uh, that better than the OneNote, uh, than the one in OneNote. Sorry, uh, Evernote is just easy. They do need to deal with the issue described in the podcast. I hope that somebody. Um, from their shop, here's your comments. I hope they do too. So, I, you know, I haven't used Evernote. Um, I yeah, listened to I what th- you said. And I, and in some respects, I have to say, putting my criticisms of their business practices and holding my data hostage the way they are, it's a brilliant app on every platform I've used it on. Yeah, and I, I've always liked it. One of my favorite features that I've been using professionally lately, uh, well, professionally, eh, uh, with Evernote is, I, I, as you know, David, and anybody listening to this podcast for the last few months, I've been traveling a lot and that's not changing. I'm traveling twice in January again to LA and to Las Vegas, like I said, and I don't book my own travel. I have someone at uh, other world computing who does that. And then she emails me, uh, you know, my flight, my hotel, my car rental, those all come through different emails, right? Well, with Evernote, I can forward it to my Evernote email account, and it just goes into Evernote. So I get the email, I hit forward, I start typing Evernote, it knows that's my Evernote upload email address, I hit send, and boom, it's on all my devices. That is brilliant. I love that. Uh, uh, OneNote does support uh, emailing stuff straight into notes, Um, so that's, that's, that's also a function that OneNote has. I think... 
Sam's criticisms are, I, you know, I understand them. The problem that OneNote has compared to Evernote on the Mac is that the application is fairly recent on the Mac, um, so it's not as mature as Evernote is. Yeah, I mean, Evernote's um, been around. I did a, I did a demo of Evernote on the stage at MacWorld Expo like six years ago. Yeah, uh, and the other thing is that, um, it is that in terms of drag and drop. That's just that. I, I'm, unfortunately, you, you, you're dealing with the legacy of it coming from the Windows platform. There, yeah. that uh, the ability to drag and drop data between applications is something that the Mac's always done, and that Windows has never done. And so, it's starting to catch uh, up a little bit, though, because I've been playing yeah. with Windows 10, and there's some drag and drop features in there that I never really, that I've tried on my Windows 8.1 machine, and it's it's kind of bonkers there. Yeah. But on Windows but, 10 Preview, anyways, it seems to work pretty well. It does, but the, the 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 problem there is that the um, the OS development team and the Office development teams at, at Microsoft are completely separate, and um, it's the Office teams who do all these applications for different platforms, the iOS and for OneNote and uh, on the Mac and everything, and so they're not going to pick those things up as quickly. Um, and again, so, we go back to leadership of Microsoft, which has been ooh, lacking. Leadership for a long and time. also resources. I, I don't know how big the Mac team is now at, at Microsoft, but they you know, historically they, the Office Mac team have always been fairly small. And that goes back so, to leadership. They need to yeah. set up the organization so everyone is on the same page. That when they create a technology, it carries over. And a prime example of that is I was just reading this. It was either Ars Technica. Or it was The Verge, and it was uh, one of their writers, he actually is in the UK as well, like you, yeah. is he's finally giving up on Windows Phone. And he goes through a whole bunch of the reasons why, but one of the striking ones was that the Microsoft apps on iOS and Android actually work better on iOS and Android than it does on the Microsoft Phone, which yeah. makes zero sense. That's, that is a dysfunctional company that has some great ideas, that has some really good technology, and just can't seem to put it together. Well, uh, the, if you listen to the Windows podcasts and, and read the Windows blogs that I read as part of my work, um, this has been commented on by lots of people. And, and, it, and it is kind of a deliberate choice they've made because for so many years they've been accused of oh, we only they have the best functionalities on the Windows platform and anything else, if you do it at all, is always bad. And so they've kind of tried in the last twelve months. They've tried to avoid that by doing stuff for the um, for the other platforms. Yeah, first. but it, it, you can't do either or. Not when you well, you. Yeah. Why would you I, screw I, your own teams and your own that, that's products? That that's, it makes that's no sense. That's precisely what they've done, and uh, even more so for the Windows Phone. Mm. I mean, Windows Phone is seriously lacking in love at the moment. Um, there's talk that there's going to be a new version of it uh, announced in early January, and this is what what the the plan is that they're going to take the effectively the Windows RT code base for the tablets, and the Windows Phone tablet, uh, Windows Phone um, code base, and they're going to merge it into the next version of Windows 10. So there's going to be Windows 10 Mobile, which will run on tablet and phones, the same code, and then there'll be Windows 10 kind of desktop that runs on Intel. Uh, that's the idea. I think and the Windows moniker should change. I really yeah. do. I think that's the biggest problem when it comes to the mobile division. It shouldn't be called Windows because it doesn't work like Windows. It's not a windowing operating system. 
Yeah, maybe, maybe they will change the name. But, no, they won't. Uh, fairly well entrenched there. Anyway, the, you know, they're a company in transition, and unfortunately a lot of these things reflect that. It remains to be seen. Uh, I've got to admit, a couple of people starting to get a bit concerned about Windows Phone, that, that it might be uh, it might be on the, on the way out. I don't think there's any uh, question about it. I really don't. Uh, Unless I'm, something radically changes within the leadership structure of Microsoft. I, yeah, I, I, I just actually, don't see it. It's actually on, on record that uh, Satya Nadella, who now runs Microsoft, was against the purchase of Nokia. He didn't think it was a good idea. So, uh, he, you know, it's already got an uphill bottle, uh, battle in that the, uh, the the CEO is not enamored with the idea of them being a... Here, a here's the problem. I think them buying Nokia was a brilliant move if they would have had a plan in place to do something with it, to take yeah. that premium brand of Nokia that's been around forever. And it's a very proud company, and they have a lot of fans. And, and they would have kept that tradition going, gave it the resources and the attention it deserved, and, and, and really made Windows Phone better and competitive. But they, they, don't see, they didn't seem to have a plan. It's like, well, let's, no. let's, hey, we're struggling a mobile, let's buy Nokia. And, and that's the extent of the plan. And unfortunately, if they end up then shutting Nokia down and, and winding just that whole business up, then it's a, an incredible waste of money. Um, I think somebody will buy them. Maybe BlackBerry. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> They're still making money. I don't know how, but it's not, it's not from cell phones, I can tell you that. Um, this has been an interesting story, and it's been going around for over a week now. You know all about, I'm sure you've read online like I have, the South Koreans supposedly hacking Sony's email in retaliation yeah. for a movie that's coming out. Uh, the North Koreans. North Koreans. South yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, South Koreans are the are the good guys. The North Koreans are the bad guys. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, one wears yeah. red, so that's got to be the bad guys. Um, that's right. <laughs> you can tell we're, we're from the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> so... That in itself, you know, I'm mildly curious and I'll read up on it, but it's the ramifications that's come from not just them hacking it, but then, or, and I'm not saying North Korea did it. I don't know, but not only were they hacked, this data was dumped on the internet. Yep. And that's where a couple interesting things have developed, David. Yeah, there's been there's been a lot of uh, dirty little secrets spilled on on how business is done inside Sony. Yeah, one of them, um, Kevin Hart. He's a comedian. He was in a movie with uh, Ice Cube called Right Along, which I actually kind of enjoyed. He's a funny comedian. I, I think he's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, the the president of the Screen Gems, I don't know who that is, to somebody at Sony called him a whore for asking yeah. for more money for a successful movie that he was in, and Kevin. Uh, Hart publicly responded to this in a very classy way. Yeah. Um, so, but I, you know, <laughs> I don't think there's going to be any love lost there. That I thought that was interesting, but here's the thing. Yeah, that really, you know what? You know what? I think. I think. Um, <coughs> I apologize, I found, David. I'm really congested. It's all right. I I also I have a tickle at the back of my throat that's been driving me lot mad for the last ten minutes. So. Um, that's uh, I sympathise. I, you know what, that what what this said to me is that uh, I I kind of a lot of people have been talking for some time now about the level of minority representation in movies. Yeah, the movie industry. You know, you very rarely see uh, 
black lead characters or um lead character unless it's unless it's a particular kind of period piece or a particular um eight or set in a certain country you very see effectively non-white people in lead roles uh non-white uh females even more so um and and i think this sort of comment pretty much uh you know the, this internal comment pretty much sums up the attitude of uh the movie industry to people of color wanting to get what they feel they deserve yeah no and uh i, I you know i don't i don't blame kevin for pushing back and saying you know well that's what he thinks the other <laughs> aspect I that you know i i i'm with kevin 100 percent on this yeah uh, the other, I thought, very interesting thing that came out was the emails that detailed the negotiations between Disney and Sony about Spider-Man. And that these also, uh, the emails also revealed that the leadership of Sony in Japan was very unhappy with what they've done with this franchise. Uh, that you they, know what? they basically <laughs> ruined it. I think anybody who likes Spider-Man is pretty much happy. Sure, absolutely. So, so what initially was reported by inside sources a couple months ago, back in October, was that Disney and Sony had been negotiating for Spider-Man to appear in Captain America: Civil War. Because yeah, it's it's a it's a fairly odd situation that that probably one of Marvel's biggest characters is not in the Marvel kind of studio. Right. Uh, pantheon well the man x-men x-men is at fox and spider-man is with sony in fact it it goes so far that fox actually has exclusive rights to use the term mutant yeah so the idea here was marvel went to disney and said hey we'd really like to use spider-man uh we think that spider-man's been mishandled for a number of years now a decade at least um why don't we take creative control and we can use Spider-Man and you guys will make, you know, money off of this. And that was rejected by Sony here in the U S well, of course this all leaks out and fans are very displeased with Sony because that's exactly what we want to see. We want to see Spider-Man in an Avengers movie. We want to see Spider-Man and, and Iron Man quipping back and forth on screen. Uh, we we really want to see Spider-Man in a good movie. That's true. That's true. You know, and we don't. And the problem is, is I, I don't think any of us trust the people at Sony to no. produce a good Spider-Man movie. Absolutely. You know, the first the first Sam Raimi movie, movie was great. Well, uh, it was good. I wouldn't say great. It was good. Yeah. The, and then the second one was pretty decent and then it just it's been a and complete then, disaster and, and uh, yes and, and uh, you know what i enjoyed the first reboot movie um, i did to a certain extent but yeah. i mean it's like but I, I, another I didn't, feel they took, I didn't feel they took it far enough and that the last one was just terrible oh, and the last horrible. one again showed exactly the same problems that that happened to the first first trilogy yep. which is studio interference demanding rewrites demanding script changes throwing extra villains in just because they feel that it needs more, it needs more, it well, needs more. Well, it doesn't, it's not that it needed more, they want to sell more toys. Yeah. They want to market it a different way. So it's the wrong people making the calls. And Marvel's gone exactly the opposite direction with their with their films. And, and they've shown yeah. they know what they're doing. These are their characters. They understand them much better than Sony ever will. So all of this comes out, this big data dump. Everyone reads about this. The fans are in an uproar. And I guess... Uh, 
Sony came back and said, okay, we're interested, but we have to maintain creative control over Spider-Man, which of course, forget it then. Yeah, that's my point. Right. But now my understanding is from reading more insider information, which has been proven accurate in the past from the same sources, is that Sony Japan wants to go ahead and make this deal with Marvel. Marvel would make uh, 60% off of all the stuff from Spider-Man. They'll have complete creative control, and Sony will make 40%. But they don't have to do anything. Well, Sony Pictures in the U.S. needs to remember is that Sony, the group, is tanking at the moment. They need money. They need success. And, um, and Disney's you know, basically going to write them a 40% check of everything yeah, exactly. they do with Spider-Man. It'll be more than they'll ever make on Spider-Man. Sony, Sony, the, the American guys in Sony need to wake up and smell the coffee, which is basically... I don't think it's going to be up to them. I think that yeah. Sony Japan's going to take it out of their hands. I think this is going to happen. I think they're going to go reshoot some scenes in the Avengers Age of Ultron to, to fit Spider-Man in there, or at least a reference to him. I think you're going to see him in the Captain America movie. Uh, along with Black Panther and, and Iron Man, which yeah, means well, the that's, next that's, Captain America is basically a mini Avengers movie, which is great, which is exactly yeah. what we want. If anybody can pull off a fast track, I mean, the, the, the nicest way to do it is get this deal signed and then fast track a standalone Spider-Man movie. I disagree. I don't think that's exactly, I don't think that's the way you go at all. I think they do exactly what I just suggested. They make a yeah. reference to him in the Avengers and maybe even an, a brief appearance. He's in the Captain America movie in a big role. Um, and maybe one other movie beyond that as a guest. And then a standalone movie in maybe 2018, 2019. You don't even have to show who Spider-Man is oh, no, in you, these you guest don't appearances. Have to, you don't have to do a... Uh, you certainly don't have to do an origin story. No, I wouldn't even suggest an origin. I think that would be absolutely the wrong way to go. And I don't think Marvel would do it. Because we've had two origin sto- Spider-Man stories in the last 12 years. 13 years. We don't need that again. Everybody knows Spider-Man's origins. And we don't even, at this point, just to get the character, I don't even think they care about Peter Parker at this moment. Just to have an appearance by Spider-Man in costume in some of these movies would be huge for Sony and would be huge for Marvel. But let's, let's get off of that subject because we can, this isn't a tech fan of the movies. And this isn't geekiest show ever. Right. <laughs> let's uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, Dave and I will be right back with some reviews and news. Hi, everyone. It's Guy from the MyMac.com podcast, and I'm here to tell you about the show. I wish Gaz was here, but apparently he's too busy, so... Hey, hold on a minute. I'm right here. What are you going on about? Well, I was about to cut a promo, but you always seem busy doing other things. Okay, now you've cheesed me off, so I'm turning you into a chipmunk. <laughs> sure, like you have the power to do that. Whoa, what did you just do to me? Like I said, I turned you into a chipmunk. Now be quiet while I do the promo. Why do I have a sudden craving for lettuce? The MyMac.com podcast is a fun look at all the goings-on in the Mac world. We involve the listeners in a show to talk about what's important to them and interview people who do amazing things with their Macs and iOS devices. A carrot might be nice. You can contact us via Facebook, Twitter, Skype, as well as email. I have an urge to climb trees really fast. Shh! Find us in iTunes by searching under my Mac. You'll find us and a lot of other great shows all under the Stoplight Network. Hey, I can scratch behind my ears with my foot. If you promise to be good, I'll change you back. I don't know. 
I'm kind of digging the fur. The MyMac.com podcast. Done by a Brit and apparently now a chipmunk. Back here, tech fan. What is it? 189. We're, we're approaching 200 episodes here, David. That's pretty much it. We'd love. I, go ahead. I, you you meant you mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I think you were talking to Owen that we've been doing this show for like nearly five years, and and it just blows my mind. This is this is still the new show to me. <laughs> I know, I know what you mean exactly. It's I don't know. It's one of those things that it just seems that uh, we haven't been doing it that long, but yet yeah. here we are. We're still doing yeah, it yeah. forever. Yeah. Um. So we still haven't got any new reviews up on at least the u.s itunes store i don't know if you can look at it on your side uh in itunes i don't know if you have that capability right now but i just went to the tech fan itunes listing and still the latest one that we've got up there is from uh may of 2014 and uh yeah i I would love to see some new reviews yeah, I'm just looking now. I'm, because I, I can't see the UK. I can't see. Each iTunes store listing has different reviews. I and I, and here's here's a little bit of info I don't know if you knew or not, David. Looking at our stats, about yep. about a little over 35% of all the listeners of TechFan are in Europe, which includes the UK. So cool. we get a lot of people. And I think probably most of those are in the UK. Being um, English speaking, yeah, you would imagine so. Though um, I've got to be honest, a lot of uh, Europeans speak English very well as well. So, yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, you you can't necessarily take that as red, but um, let's just have a. I I have the page here, so I'm just seeing. He's you know looking. what? Here's so here's the thing. How do you actually sort the? Okay, so recent. yeah, yeah, iTunes is of, terrible. Well, yeah, yeah you got a rating the, and reviews, and then you can the, the, little drop down. Yeah, the last the last one we have here is November two thousand thirteen. Yeah, so yeah, so listen, we'd love it if you guys can go up to iTunes and write a little review. Um, it really would help us uh, a lot, and we do appreciate it. And I and I keep an eye on that. But even more, we'd love it if you sent feedback to the show. You can either go to techfanpodcast.com and leave a message there. Or you can send us an email, either Tim or David or Owen at techfanpodcast.com, and we will read it right here on the show. We'll get more, we'll be more diligent when it comes to reading it because Sam's from the beginning of the show was, you know, three or four weeks old at this point. And on that, actually, that just reminds me, we did get one piece of feedback from John Nemirovsky. We did. uh, About, uh, about what we were talking about, the, um, the movement of the power button on the iPhone six yes. and six plus. And, and John basically said in a nutshell, he said, well, I, I never, who cares? I never use the power button. Why don't you just let your device go to sleep? I do. Uh, and, Here's the thing. When I say power button, I really mean turning off the screen. Yeah. That's really what I mean. Yeah. And, and I, I think as well, it's not such a big deal on the iPad if you have any sort of magnetic cover because you close that, that locks it anyway. Right. Um, and so I, I don't often spend press the power button on my iPad. But I would say, on and particularly the way you use an iPhone because you always have it with you, um, if you don't lock it by pressing the button, 
then it's unlocked. You, you're not protected by Touch ID. You're not protected by the local encryption. And if somebody picks your phone up because you've got your back turned for a minute, then they have access to all your data. Uh, and that's not a good thing. So I think that's why locking it with the power button on an iPhone is important. And it conserves um, battery as well. It it does, yeah, but you can have a short timeout on, on <coughs> trying to help with that really. But the thing is, you know, I'm just in the habit and you know, John maybe isn't isn't in doesn't work in kind of business where you're sat on a table with loads of people with different phones and you're travelling in public transport and that sort of thing where you, you just don't really want somebody to be able to pick up your phone when it's not locked. Uh, and so, also if uh, you're sliding it in your pocket and you haven't locked the screen, you can accidentally push buttons and yeah. things could happen. I've, I've been, but yeah. it's called butt dialing. I've been butt dialed from people on an iPhone because they didn't turn off their screen and they put their phone in their pocket, not realizing that it switched to the phone or it was already on the phone screen. And they just accidentally hit my number with their finger. Yeah, it happens. So that's why I, that's one of the reasons why John, that I do turn off my screen and but I having, just got into the habit that, with my iPad yeah. as well. But having said that, you know, horses for courses, obviously, John is one of those people out there. It just is not a big deal for him. So yep. that's great. You know, it's different different strokes, different folks. So like I said, next week, uh, I'm going to be doing a uh, first look type of review for the Fire HD 7 and the regular Kindle from Amazon. Okay. And many thanks to Amazon for sending both devices and the cases over for a review. Uh, I hope that they get around to sending me a Kindle Fire White because that's actually my favorite device from Kindle. That's a, you mean a Kindle Paperwhite? Paperwhite, sorry, Paper yes. White, yeah, Paperwhite. Yeah. Um, what about the, uh, I've got to admit, I've, I've, before we, we'll talk about this a little bit more next week, but I kind of have a hankering to have a look at that Voyager, that, you know, the high-end Kindle. I've yeah. always, I always like to have a physical Kindle, and I think if I was going to drop money on a physical Kindle now, I might be tempted by the high-end one. It is, and it's, it's in the Paperwhite yeah. category because it's got yeah. the light-up screen, oh, and that's okay. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that let's, one. That one. Let's looks, save that discussion yeah, yeah. for next week. Yeah. yeah. So this week I've got three products that I want to look at, and I'm going to go in reverse order from uh, talking about them. Number one is a iPhone case, believe it or not, David. Okay. It's from a company called Toastmade, and they make wooden cases for your iPhone. Now these are not cases that you just slide your iPhone in. These right. are more of a veneer, but they are absolutely wood. And it wraps around your iPhone and it has a sticky 3M backing on it that they say doesn't leave any harmful anything on your phone if you know, if you ever need to take it off. Um, Interesting. I got it in, was it yesterday or the day before? I don't remember. I, I emailed you a picture. Was that yesterday? Yeah. Okay. So I got this in yesterday and I spent about a half hour installing it because I really wanted to get this right because... This is a one-trick pony. Once it's on, it's on. Once I take right. it off, it's done for. You cannot reuse it. Right. Which, eh, you know, that kind of worries me a little bit, to be honest. They're not, they're not desperately cheap. Well, the one I got, um, it's called 8-Bit, and that's because it has these different wood inlays on the back of the case of the Space Invaders aliens. Now, if you want to see what this looks like, it's actually the graphic for this episode. Okay. And one of the pictures in this episode, if you can't see it good on your iPhone or iPod or whatever you're listening to this episode, go to our website, techfanpodcast.com, look for show 
189. The show graphic will have a picture of this, the uh, NES controller, and the HP touchpad that we're going to be talking yeah. about in a minute. So that's what it looks like. Now, it's actually two cases, David, what they sent me. They sent, they sent me the back case, and then they sent me the, the matching wood case for the front as well. And so the front, front one goes around the bezel, does it? Yeah, it goes around the bezel, and yeah. it, it looks nice. I, I, I really kind of fell in love with this idea at one of the shows that I went through. I saw them displaying their wares. I looked at it on an iPhone 5S. So, you know, looking at this on an iPhone 5S is different than looking at it on an iPhone 6 Plus, David. Number one, on the iPhone 5S, everything is squared off pretty much, right? Yeah. On the 5S, or on the 6 Plus and the 6, everything's kind of rounded, especially the corners. It's it's very... you look at this, you kind of think, wow, that's, it's kind of intricate how they've done it because it's chunks of wood. It is and chunks of wood. they managed to kind of wrap it round the, the very nicely around the corners. And like I said, I spent a lot of time putting this on, and it does not add any appreciable bulk to my phone at all. It even has these little wood uh, cutouts for all the buttons except for the mute button. And that's yeah. a little bit of a problem because now it's hard to get in there and push that button, Yeah, you know, slide it back and forth. But the buttons go right over the, the the toggle volume buttons, the screen lock button, and it looks fantastic. It really does. Now, the pictures that I sent you, David, you really can't see the buttons, but no. it no. looks great. It really does. It matches perfectly. Um, yeah. So, I, I yeah, like the look. Yeah, really it does. Do. It, I find it interesting because... I remember in the seventies when every whenever you bought consumer electronics, they always came with wood. On yeah, them. everything did. <laughs> you know, it was either black ash or it was a couple of And, and we hated that for like that. forever. Well, it became a bit dated, but now it yeah. kind of you know what's old is new again. Um, so the, I mean, certainly this this looks very different. I think the only thing that would concern me, and I, I I've put a lot of films and stickers and things like that on devices in the past, is if it, you know if if the if the device, if the thing you're putting on is quite expensive and you mess it up, then that's that's kind of really hard luck. Yep. Um, and and you can which is spend why it took me a half hour to put yeah. this on. You can spend. I'm looking. They have all options for different veneers, and then you can have uh, designs etched on with lasers, and you can put wording on there and everything as well. But if you're not, you can spend no forty fifty dollars on these if you uh, if you kind of really go to town there. And yep. It would be terrible having done that to then kind of get it on at an angle and then find it. You need to rip it off again. Yeah, I actually had to do that. I was lucky that I didn't push it down hard. I had it uh, a little bit over to the left. And so when I started folding it over, uh, it wasn't covering the buttons right. Mm -hmm. So I had to peel it off very carefully and do it again. Got it on the second attempt, but I love the look. Let me start there. I think the look is brilliant. It makes the phone definitely not slippery, but that's one of the problems, David. It feels like rough wood. Oh, right. So it's not polished or, uh, it's, it doesn't have a a veneer over it at all. It doesn't have any kind of protection that I can feel. I can feel the wood. I can feel the grains. Does it feel that it might splinter? (sighs) No, not quite, but. I, I, it still feels like wood. Now you think, yeah. well, yeah, you got a wood case, Tim. Of course it feels like wood. 
it feels like wood because I'm touching the actual grains, especially yeah. where the cutouts are for the little Space Invader guys. Yeah. That's one thing. So take that good or bad. If you like the feel of wood, you're going to love this. If you don't like it, it feels like it's sucking all the moisture out of your skin. You may not like this. The front goes on very easy. The back is kind of a pain in the butt. Here's my problems, David. Where you fold it up over the edge of the iPhone, they actually kind of cut around the corners so you can peel it down and it rounds it out. Yeah. Even after spending a, a half hour, it looks like it's right, but I can feel the grooves. Mm-hmm. And I can feel the edges, and they're sharp. Especially around the, the headphone button. Or the headphone port. Yeah. Um, it's sharp right there. And I feel like it's going to snag on a lot of things and it's going to eventually ruin it. Mm-hmm. But it's also hard on my fingers right there. And when I'm holding my phone, that's exactly the corner that's kind of poking me in my left palm. I think that's a problem. So do you think you might be able to uh, take a... A file? Uh, a, a, well, probably a, a fine sandpaper or something and just try no, and No, because it's, it's right next to my headphone port. I might be able to put a pair of headphones in there, plug it in, and work on it that way, but it would have to be almost a nail file so thin. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to leave it alone for uh, at least a week and see if just daily use will maybe smooth it down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the other thing is, is maybe just plugging headphones in and out will, will kind of take care of that. Um, but it feels rough around the edges, all the edges. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I like the Oh, and also the cutout by the, uh, home button yep. is quite sharp. Mm-hmm. Now I don't feel like I'm going to cut my finger, but it has messed up placement of my thumb. So I'm going to have so to I, redo my, yeah. my fingerprint. So I think that I think the reason you're encountering this is because this is basically very thin um, wood that's been laser cut. Yes. And obviously, laser cut gives you a very sharp edge. Yep. Um, and, and again, maybe, over time, that may smooth down a little bit. And wood always looks better when it's old rather than new. Yeah, absolutely. But may, maybe um, maybe Toast want to think about throwing a, a little piece of a little dot of fine sandpaper in there so you can. You know, uh, take the edges off if if it yeah. bothers you. You know, I guess the um, the the one question I've got for you is the do you have a you have the front as well, yeah? Yes. So so one problem I found with the iPhone six um for anything I've bought recently for it that goes on the front, I I always liked with with my five I I I liked having a one of those tempered glass covers on the front. Yep. Because it gave you that bit of protection and yet it felt like a proper screen. Yep. Um. Now you can't really get those for no, the six because they 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 do, they can't deal with the curve. So right. they they sit inside the curve, uh, and it looks kind of stupid because you have this great. You can't big, you oh, can't tell it. that the curve is there, right? And that's so, and so, that's honestly the the biggest drawback from this that I'm really regretting right now. Is yeah, I so like the curved glass on my the feel of it, and so now it's it's, it, it's it. completely covering it, and it's a sharp edge now. Yeah. So, I like the I love the look of the back the Space Invaders. I love that, but I've got a sinking suspicion that after my review is written at MyMac.com for this, within a week, this case is coming off. I think case that's going to happen. So it's a case of uh, kind of net, know what you're getting yourself into. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's that. 
Um, I've got a piece of audio I'm going to play, David. Okay. And this is well, you know what? Let's let's do that last. Let's talk about the HP Touch uh, Chromebook last. Let's let's go next to um, what was this thing called again? The Eight Bit Do Bluetooth Wireless Classic NES controller. So this is just a little Bluetooth controller. It's not uh, MiFi, so you can't. It, it's not going to work with your iPad unless you go with an iCade because it does yeah. have iCade controllers. Now I use this with my iPad via iCade, and it worked fine. Uh, very responsive, actually. You know, you've used the original NES controllers, and that's what this is. Yeah. Uh, it feels exactly the same, if not a little bit better. It feels substantial. Uh, very responsive. The buttons feel great. It feels really good in your hand, especially our age where it's a very familiar feel. Yeah. Um, and it's very compatible with a lot of different devices. iOS, Android, if you jailbreak it uh, to get more functionality. I read one guy actually used it with his Fire TV as a controller. Mm -hmm. You can remap the buttons on a Mac or a PC. Uh, so it works. You know, it's listed at forty four ninety nine. Cool. It's uh, retailing for thirty nine ninety nine. It shuts off after about fifteen minutes of inactivity. Uh, to turn it on, you just hold down the power button or the start button. But you don't want to do that because then it's not in any kind of functionality mode. Now, right. there's five different modes that you can turn it on with. Just hitting the start button, it's just a joystick. If you hit the start button and what is it B, it's a Bluetooth keyboard, which means. For a Mac, that's the way you want to go, or a PC, that's the way you want to go, so you can remap what the keys do in a game. Uh, mode 3, you hold Start and A, and it's iCade. Mode 4 is MU Touch Screen, which is um, like like using your touch screen on an iPad. Right. Um, but in this case, it, it doesn't work with an iPad. Uh, it would only work with a Mac this way. You start it with uh, Start and X. And mode five is USB joystick, and it just says auto connection and can be ignored. But that's also with Windows only. So I don't know how that one works because I haven't tried it. Um, <coughs> it's a nice device, I gotta say. Uh, I mean, it's very cool that that they built so much, um, so many different modes into it, uh, and I really like the fact that you can uh, use it for your iOS devices, but also for a Mac or a PC. Yeah, it's multi-function. Yeah, that's very kind of cool. I'd like to give this a shot with my arcade system to see if I can use classic NES games through the Bluetooth controller on that computer. Yeah. And I, I'm 100% convinced that's going to work just fine. And that would be cool because now I've got all the NES games and I'm using an actual NES light controller instead of a joystick because I could play Super Mario on the NES through, you know, my joystick and buttons up there, but it feels unnatural. I, I need the yeah. NES controller in my hand to do that. So I, you know what, for the price, I think it's pretty cool. If you're a gamer and you like to play older type of games that require more of a controller like this, I think you're going to be happy with it. And, of course, yeah. look, we're both kind of retro nuts, David. We like the old stuff. And so mm -hmm. this is just perfect in our wheelhouse, I think. Cool. You know, it was it was really – it charged up really fast. I mean, it went from no charge at all to ready to go in probably an hour. 
I mean, fully charged. So I don't know how long it lasts. It, it you know, I, I have no idea, but I, I got to imagine that the battery's going to last longer than I'm willing to play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because after a while, you're just like, okay, my hand's getting cramped. That's what you forget about the old NES controllers, David. After about an hour of play, your hand's cramped. Yeah. So it's fun, though. I, you know, I, I wish there were more things like this. Where's the, where's the Atari joystick? <laughs> that was a terrible controller. It, it was, but, you know, it, it kind of has, does have that nostalgia value. I, value. I always fancy getting, you know, you can buy those ones now that's basically an Atari joystick plugs into your TV and has about 50 games in it. Yeah, I've got I one. Was meant to, I was meant to get one of those, never got around to it. They're not very good. The, it's, no. it's emulated software on there, um, and it, it looks pretty terrible on a big screen. I've got like five of those systems. Yeah. Uh, like four Atari, and I bought a ColecoVision that if you go to uh, the user MyMac Pro on YouTube, you can actually see me doing maybe a minute video test of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It, it, it's a nice controller, though. I like it. And it fits in with my lifestyle, so even better. Uh, let's take one more break, David, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about this HP Touch. Uh, I keep wanting to say Touchpad. HP Chromebook. We'll be right back. Siri, I'm looking for a new Apple podcast to listen to. Any recommendations? I found one new podcast for you, but it looks like they only record themselves drinking and chatting about the latest Apple news and rumor. Well, that sounds great. What's it called? It's called the Mac Gist Podcast. But Nick, why would anyone listen to that? Well, Siri, alcohol is the anesthesia by which we endure the operation of life. I found these five rehab clinics near you. Would you like directions? Ugh, Siri, enough with the rehab. Just download the latest MacGist podcast now. I'm sorry, Nick. I cannot do that at this time. Go home, Siri. You're drunk. That's not nice. Eh, what does she know anyways? Check us out over at themacgistpodcast.com. Hey, David, look, it's the third segment of TechFan. <laughs> Already? <laughs> it's been a long time since we've done three segments. That means this episode is going to be a little longer than, than normal, but... That's okay. It's Content all, is king, right? Exactly. It's all good. All good. Um, I'm used to coming after a break and starting to plug contacting us and stuff, but we're going to skip that. Last thing I wanted to talk about this week, David, and I feel like I've been hogging the show the last few weeks. I did the solo show. I did like two reviews last week, two reviews this week. Um, so, you know, if I'm talking too much, David, I apologize. I just got a lot of cool things I want to talk about. Well, that's what we're here to do. There you it's go. To share, share the love with the listeners. That's right. <laughs> I've been interested in the Chromebooks for a while, since they were first announced. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to, as a, as a Mac user, wrap your head around a computer that the operating system is ostensibly a web browser. That you don't have a finder per se. You don't have nestled folders. You don't have offline capabilities. You have to be online to use this thing. It, it's a weird concept. It, it, you know, yeah. it, it's it's harder for a regular computer user to wrap their head around that. You know. Yeah, it's it's almost like a um, a throwback to the kind of the 
the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, the the kind of the mainframe terminals where effectively all you had in your hands was uh, was a screen, a keyboard, talking to another computer somewhere else. It's yep. it's kind of AS four hundred and yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of Larry Ellison's idea of uh, the dumb terminal and that you outsource, you offload, you know, the heavy lifting of the computer itself to the cloud, to the internet, to the whatever, yeah. the server. And that it's really, uh, it's, it's less of a multifunction machine and more of a one-trick pony. But having said that, given that Google makes all of these cloud services that all work together anyway, mm -hmm. I mean, in conceptually, you can kind of see where they're coming from, which is we really, if you live in that space, why have a big functional computer sat on your desk that you don't need to access those services? Why not Absolutely. have something that's cheaper, lighter, um, less complicated, less to go wrong, you don't have to worry about uh, I mean, in some ways, it's kind of the same. Some, and many of the of the the same selling factors that that people buy iPads for, in that it's simpler, it's easier, it's 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 not it's not as it's not as multifunction, but you don't need to be. It's more of an appliance. Yeah, you don't have to worry about virus protection. You don't really have to worry about malware. Um, you just yeah. turn it on and use it. And if most and of the things that you're doing is browsing the internet. Or has something to do with the internet, watching YouTube, checking your email, shopping on Amazon, some document creation, uh, maybe even some spreadsheets because all of that is in Google Drive. If most of the things that you're doing online, even listening to podcasts, as long as you're connected to a Wi-Fi network, you could do it with a Chromebook. And, and conceptually, again... I mean, I've dealt with computer users in my own family who aren't technically literate, and they struggle with the idea of where do I save my file? How do I find it again? You know, they get confused about folders and the desktop and everything. There is some, there is kind of a, a, a nice purity about the idea of, well, the, the operating system just points you to these cloud services, and it's it's really easy to understand where everything is and how it all works. You know, yeah, I remember talking to my father probably about eight, nine years ago now, and, and he kind of said, he said, well, when somebody sends me an email and I'm not online, where does the email go? And how, how, how come it doesn't get lost? And, and so that kind of disconnect between downloading email to a separate device, it's, it's, it's kind of unintuitive to somebody who doesn't know computers. So the Chromebook is kind of, <coughs> Sorry. you know, conceptually, it is kind of a thing that, that kind of is understandable to somebody because it's perfectly clear where the email lives. It, lives in the email client on the Chromebook and that's on the server and you can get it anywhere. It's, you know, it does, it does, from that point of view, it does make sense. Even though I remember when it, when they first talked about this, pretty much every, every literate computer user threw their hands up in horror and said, who'd, who, who on earth would that? ever want to do that? It, it is kind of the antithesis of a Mac user. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. My sinuses are uh, <clears throat> not doing well at the moment. <clears throat> So my idea when I was discussing this with uh, HP was to get a Chromebook in for testing, give it a, a proper actual review here at techfananmymac.com. But I wanted to focus on my daughter, Brooke. The reason being is she uses Chromebooks at school. Now, 
the accounts that she has at school, it's it's you know her email at her school name, right? Yeah. But it's just a Gmail account. Mm-hmm. What would it be like for a 10 11 year old on a Chromebook? Could they actually use it? Now, she has her own MacBook. I've put parental controls on that MacBook. In other words, when she tries to go to websites, I have to authenticate on the machine that she can go to that website. Mm-hmm. It drives her crazy. Because she keeps trying to go to all these different websites and all these things keep yeah. popping up saying, oh, you can't do this. Just, yeah, my, my, my son's iMac <clears throat> is the same and, and it, it drives him mad too. Yep. Yeah. So the first thing I did when I got the Chromebook was I signed, you, you, you turn it on, it boots up. It took a long time for this thing to boot up. It turns out it crashed the first time I opened it. All right. Yeah. So that was like, uh-oh. So I'm trying to swallow and, and uh, <clears throat> I'm having a hard time. Hey, you know what? This third segment is killer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I rebooted. I signed into my uh, Google account, and it just worked. All my bookmarks were there. It was it was like having Google full screen on my Mac, uh, mm-hmm. well Chrome full screen on my Mac, and it just worked, and I was kind of impressed. But okay, hold on a minute. I'm signed into this thing now but I want my daughter to use it. So there's an option to sign out, which I did. I handed her the Chromebook and I said, here, play with this. And she says, what do I do? I said, well, sign into your school account. Let's see if that works. And it worked perfectly. Everything was there, just like her her school computer. Obstensibly, it is her school computer at that point. Yeah. She sees no difference. So that was the idea. What's it like for someone in her age group to use a Chromebook? Could she use it? Would she enjoy it? What's the experience like? So this morning before school, (coughs) excuse me again. This morning before school, I pulled Brooke aside and I said, I want to record a little segment on the podcast, which she's always hyped to do. She loves, she's, she's been on the show once before, um, and she's asked about coming on the show in the past. So <laughs> I knew she would she would be up for it. I said, I want to record it, you know, less than a five-minute little thing with you, just talking about the Chromebook. So here is Brooke from this morning discussing the Chromebook. And it is, uh, like I said, it's before school. And the person I wanted to talk to the most about the HP Chromebook is my daughter, Brooke. Hello, Brooke. Hi. So, you've been using, my idea was to let you use the Chromebook, because that's what you use at school, yeah? Mm-hmm. So, number one, do you like the Chromebook? Oh, I love it. What do you love about it? Everything. With my laptop, I can't do most of the stuff, because of the parental settings and stuff. Right, I and turned off parental uh, settings, so you could go to any website you want to on a Chromebook. And but I have that turned on on the MacBook. But if that wasn't turned on on the MacBook, is there a big difference between using a MacBook, a Mac, and the Chromebook to you? Um, kind of. Like I remember uh, just a couple of days ago, you wanted to use a MacBook because you're creating something, and you said you can't do that. Yeah. Um, on the Chromebook, what's that about? It's this website called Scratch, and I wanted to import a picture to it. And the only way I can import a picture to it is to drag it from Google to my desktop. 
and that's my like school kind of account. Mm-hmm. So it when I wouldn't want to do that. Can you drag pictures to your desktop on a Chromebook? Have I you, could, you but could? yeah, but um, I don't know. I think we're supposed to. So you said it's your your school account. How does that work? Because this is this is just a Chromebook. It's not your school computer. How do you access your your information from school on it? Uh, I don't really know. Miss Biddington said that on any computer, it will show your Google stuff. So you sign into your Google account, which yeah. is your school account, and it's just like it is at school. All your work is there? Yeah. Does that make it easier to go from computer to computer? Yes. Overall, what do you think about the quality of... I'm picking it up now. What do you think about the quality of it? It's... You know, you're used to Macs. They have the the metal bodies and stuff. This has got plastic. It's kind of this uh, bright green on the bottom, almost a lime green, and white on the top. But when you open it, it's got this kind of like a a Mac, the metal-ish top with white keys what do you think about it do you like this look do you think it's kind of hokey do you think it's cool i think it's pretty cool yeah what do you think of the screen uh it's it's pretty big and i like that that a lot it's a 14 inch do you think this is too big or do you think this is a good size wow it's starting to play videos how do you stop the video playing bro all right stop the video from playing there you go thank you that was loud yeah so you like watching videos on there. Does it play videos pretty good? Yes. Is the audio pretty good? The sound that comes out of it? Yeah, really good. Yeah. How about the keyboard? Does it work real well? Uh, yeah. So this cost, uh, I believe... Uh, now it's going to be playing ads. So this thing costs $299. If there's a parent out there that's thinking about getting a Chromebook for their kid instead of a, a Mac or a Windows PC, what do you think? You think a Chromebook is a good thing? Oh uh, yeah, really good thing. What do you? What's your favorite thing about this thing? I know you don't want me to send this back to HP because the review time is about over, and I gotta send this back because it's not ours to keep. Why don't you want this to go? Because on my laptop I can't watch videos. It says that it can't. Safari says it can't open it, and I can't go back and look at my old stories from last year because it goes crazy with the little messages. Oh my gosh, like every two mm-hmm. seconds. And with this one, no message comes up at all. And I can go back to see my own stories and watch videos. So you like the Chromebook? Yeah. you got to give it a rating of 1 is terrible and 10 is the best. 10 is usually reserved for the very best things in life. What would you give the HP Chromebook? Probably a 9. A 9? Well, that's a ringing endorsement from uh, Brooke. And uh, thank you. So that's a Brooks review of the Chromebook, nine out of ten. Wow! And you heard now. David hasn't heard that that audio yet. Uh, I told her, uh, give it a rank, one through ten. One being the worst, ten being the best, but ten is really safe for the best of the best of the best. And she said she'd give it a nine out of ten. Yeah. She went so far as to tell me in the car when I was driving her to her the school bus this morning. Uh, is there any way that we could keep this Chromebook? <coughs> wow, we can't get a better endorsement than that, can you? I think it says a lot, but I think she's, while she was doing the segment with me this morning, I think she was looking through it with a little bit of, of rose-colored glasses, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Now, what she usually does is write stories, which she does on uh, Google Docs. Mm-hmm. She'll watch Minecraft videos on YouTube. She'll visit a couple of fan sites for this book series she's reading 
uh, called Warriors. It's Warrior Cats, whatever. And for those things, it's perfect. But when she actually wanted to get down and create some pictures and stuff, she had to use her Mac. Mm-hmm. She couldn't drag pictures to the desktop. She couldn't manipulate the pictures in any way. There's no software now, on there to to do those things. Now, can you not add that? It doesn't. I Google believe have, yes. have apps. I, there are apps that you could download and do it with that. But I didn't want to tell her that. I just wanted to yeah. hand this to her and see what the experience would be like for her without much input at all on my end. Right. And for the most part, she loved it. Now, now, what what can it do offline? Because obviously. Most of what you've talked about, you can do in the Chrome browser. We, I never tried it offline. Right. Uh, you know, I would have to literally turn off the Wi-Fi to see what it does. But you have to sign into your Google account right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So if you're already signed in and it loses connectivity to the Internet, I'm not sure what you can do. Unless you've actually downloaded some apps ahead of time. I don't know. That's what I'm going to do before I write the review at my yeah. Mac. Because, you know, the best will in the world, you don't always have, um, you don't always have connectivity. Correct. I mean, even, even if you have Wi-Fi at home and everything like that, obviously with a laptop, you might expect to take it out with you somewhere. And, and what, how does it work if you go to a coffee shop and, you know, you only get half an hour free Wi-Fi and what happens after half an hour finishes or something like that? Well, the- in that, I want to put some movies on a uh, flash disk a flash drive and, and plug it into yeah. the USB port and see, can I watch movies offline on this thing? Uh, here's the technical specs. It's the HP Chromebook. It's two ninety nine. Uh, you can get an optional touchscreen, but this one doesn't have it. It's got a 19 by 20 by 1080 screen. So it's technically high def. Um, NVIDIA Tegra K1 processor, 16 gigabytes of flash storage and 32 gigabyte SSD. So you're not going to put a lot on here. Yeah. It comes in four colors, silver, orange, turquoise, or the one I have here, neon green. It weighs 3.78 pounds, which is kind of heavy. Yeah. Um, it is a 14-inch screen. It's got a uh, Wi-Fi. The battery, they say, lasts up to 8.15 hours. I'm going to call BS on that right now. Uh, big time. Yeah. Brooke would do uh, online stuff with it, browsing the internet, not even watching video. And she was getting about four hours before it was about dead. So I don't know what they're doing for eight and a half hours on this, but it's not getting anything close to that. It's getting, in real world use, it's getting about half of that. So I think that's disingenuous. It's got a front-facing HD True Vizio camera on it, and it's terrible. The video quality from the camera is just terrible. Hmm. It does have HDMI output, so you could connect this to a TV or a bigger screen. Uh, one of the things I don't like a lot is the power cable. It's really thick. Now, you know how they're always wrapped up and uh, tied up in the packaging? Yeah. Yeah. It still has those kinks in it, even right. after over a month. But it's it's about twice as thick as the cable that comes with a MacBook or a MacBook Pro. Mm. It's black. It, it's it's heavy. It It feels like a heavy-duty plug. Yeah. And I, I don't. I hate the plug. I, I hate the power cable for it. So it's cheap, basically. It's cheap, absolutely. Yeah. But here's the thing: this thing costs three hundred bucks, two hundred ninety nine dollars. Yeah. Now the screen itself, 
I asked my daughter specifically a couple times when she first started using it. And later I said, so what do you think of the screen? She goes, oh, I like it. Now I look at the screen after using my uh, MacBook Pro, and this is not a retina screen MacBook Pro. Mm. I think the HP Chromebook screen looks like crap. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's just not very vibrant. Uh, it feels cheap. It feels like a laptop maybe 10 years ago. But that being said, it's a $299 laptop. Yeah. And it's 14 inches, which is a nice size screen. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I'm looking on um, I'm looking on uh, Amazon at the moment, and I think you can get them even for, for less than that. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So, um, but you know, you know, HP is doing a lot of very interesting products at the moment. They really, um, you know, they've been in the doldrums for a while, and they really seem to be coming out. You know, and they're hitting for the fences. I bought a um, a tablet. I'll talk about it a little bit more next week. But an HP Stream Seven Windows tablet, which was a hundred pounds in the states, not the hundred dollars. And I tell you, for the money, this thing is is brilliant. It and really it's is running Windows. It's running Windows eight point one. It's a full. Basically, it's a netbook. So it's a quad core Atom processor netbook in a in a seven inch. I want to hear more about to, that next week. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that it, will fit it, in good I think, with the. I think uh, it's more. Yeah, it's more appropriate to talk about in relation to the Kindle. Absolutely. But they also have. They also have um, the Stream 11 and 13 laptops, which are also running Windows 8, uh, and those are um, the similar sort of price to the Chromebooks. I so, like that. Um, I like the HP isn't putting all their eggs in one basket anymore. Yeah, I think yeah. that's very smart. Now, as for the design, I really like it, David. I, yeah. I, it feels good when you're holding it. Now, a four-pound laptop isn't light, but it feels rugged. It doesn't. It's plastic. But it doesn't feel cheap. And there's a big difference between cheap plastic and quality plastic. This falls yeah. somewhere, not necessarily in the middle, probably going more towards the quality. But I, I like it. You know, I think it, it fits together really well. It's very attractive to look at. It's very distinctive. Style-wise, it looks great. When it's actually open, it kind of looks like a MacBook Pro. Because it's got a silver cover for you know where the keys yeah. are, uh, the the uh, touchpad, the uh, what do you call it, the trackpad, mm-hmm. works great. It feels it not exactly the same, but very similar to a MacBook or a MacBook Pro or a MacBook Air. Um, I think this is a really good machine, and if my daughter is any indication, I think that these thin type client computing devices I think there's a big market for this yeah and I really do understand now why a lot of the focus at Microsoft is combating the Chromebooks I get it now because this is a big problem for them David it really is if these things really do take off more less people are using office less you people are using um, Microsoft email Yep. They're in the Google camp, whether they realize that that's what they were signing up for or not. Yeah. Putting the, the privacy concerns aside, because, you know, if you have a Windows machine or you have a, an Apple machine, you can use web browsers that Google is not tracking. You know, you can use Safari, you can use Internet Explorer. Um, 
Yeah, with this you can't. You can't. I mean, yeah, Google are, knows you everything Google, you're doing. Google owes you. Yes. They own you. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to what Tim Cook said just a couple weeks ago that uh, if you're not the customer, you're the commodity. Yeah. In other words, Apple sells computers. You are Apple's customer. If you're using a Chromebook or a browser or Facebook and they're not charging you anything, then you are the thing that they're selling. Yeah. They're selling you to advertisers. And he, he I, I don't, you know, he didn't say it in a negative way, but you know, I, the guy from Facebook was not happy about it. No, he wasn't. But then, you know, he was trying to defend his his position. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, Zuck wasn't thrilled about it, but, you know... But this is a privacy concern that I think parents, in particular, have to be cognizant about. If you absolutely. buy one of these for your kids, Google's going to track everything your kid's doing, and they're going to be trying to sell your kid stuff. Yeah. They just are. So, yeah. uh, I didn't... I haven't explored the parental controls too much on it. As Brooke said, she, in, in uh, her audio... The, the MacBook drives are crazy, and that's because of parental controls. Now, I'm going to probably get a little bit less restrictive on that because she's shown that she's very responsible. Um, in fact, if Cole's playing a game that's online and someone says a naughty word, she's telling her little brother, turn off the game. You can't play that game anymore, Cole. Someone said a bad word. So she's yeah. very cognizant of what she's not allowed to see or do online. Um. And that's from education, and that's that's what Julie and I have instilled in her. So I think I could turn off some of those restrictions, let her enjoy the MacBook a little bit more, give her more of the Chromebook experience that she can go to pretty much any website, because I'm, I do trust her at this point. She hasn't done anything to disprove that. But that was something that I also wanted to look at with her using the Chromebook. There's no restrictions. So it was an ex I think it was an interesting experiment, David. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. And, and I'm interested to hear your full review of it. It's going to be fun. I'm looking... I, again, I only played with it for a few minutes compared to what she's done. So from this point on, I'm going to be using it. She's going to be asking for it back. Uh, I'm going to use it. I'm going to see what it's like for an experienced computer user, someone that's been doing it and writing about it for 20 years, what it's like for me. And I think your would be your use case would probably be similar to mine minus the Microsoft Office integration, which doesn't exist on this. So yeah. it'll be fun to play with. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, I think we'll all uh, we'll look, look forward to hearing more feedback from you on it and, uh, and see how it goes. So with that, David and I are going to wrap up this extra long episode of Tech Fan. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We, we're not going to go this long with every episode, obviously, but we had a lot of stuff to cover this week. Next week, David's going to talk more about <coughs> what was it called again? The HP Stream 7. The HP Stream 7. I kind of yeah. like that name. Yeah. it's. It's. I'll tell you, I just to give you a preview now, I really, really like this tablet. I'm going to be talking about the Fire HD 7 and the case that they sent um, and a preview of that. So far, I kind of like it, and it's only been five minutes that I actually touched it, as well as the base model Kindle. Um, I And a preview of that, no backlight. I'm not as happy with it. So that's next week. Uh, hopefully we'll see Owen next week. It's uh, I, I, How long can you really stay in Hawaii, right? 
Yeah, no, he must be. He must be so so tired of oh. sitting on the beach, sipping cocktails. Right. I, I can imagine he's just going crazy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, he said he sent a picture to both David and I yesterday, and he's literally on the beach. You could see yep. palm trees in the ocean, and we hate him twice as much now. Absolutely. And this is a man who lives in California. Right. Does he not? <laughs> How much sun can one person go with? <laughs> Melanoma, buddy. You ever hear of that? <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys next week. See you then.